Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello there and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Sean Jeffrey, the executive director of the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association. We'll get an update from him on violence in restaurants. Wab Canoe, Manitoba's NDP leader, will join us. We'll discuss the idea of a safe injection site for Winnipeg. And Greg Mackling, co-host of The Start right here on CJOB weekday morning, 6 to 10. The Jets have clinched a playoff spot and Greg is excited. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and now the podcast. Sean Jeffrey is the executive director of the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association, and he is here in studio with me. Good afternoon, Sean. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. So I wanted to get you in on a few things, but update us on when we talked to you last, it was right after the shooting at Johnny G on Main, uh, Johnny G's on Main, yep. and uh, you were hoping to maybe get police and the city, the mayor involved in bringing in a program like they have in Vancouver. Maybe tell us where that's up and, and explain the, the program in Vancouver. I know you just had uh, chats with them. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so in Vancouver, they have implemented a restaurant watch where it's in conjunction with the Vancouver City Police and uh, the BC uh, Restaurant Association. And I uh, had a conversation with their CEO, Ian, last week about that in the program and what's been implemented there. And they've seen some massive uh, strides in uh, communication, both between the city police and the restaurants. Uh, they have over 300 restaurants participating in that actual program, which is quite substantial. And uh, and they've seen um, some, some better communications, uh, less issues inside the restaurants, uh, more open line of communications between the restaurants and the police, and uh, being able to contact police when they feel that there's a, a situation that's going to get out of hand and they're able to contact them. There's basically a sign on the door. Uh, what, what's the program it's called sti- again? It's called the Restaurant Watch. It's a downtown restaurant watch, which yeah. is very similar to the admissible patrons policy, which they have in other in other cities in British Columbia. It's That's the more name aggressive, I was thinking yeah, of, yeah. It's a more aggressive approach, actually. The Vancouver and the Vancouver City Police has actually spearheaded this and actually run uh, two meetings per year where they invite the restaurants that participate in this program to come down, and they can actually meet with the police and get stats on uh, crime, uh, crime reduction, and, and type of crime that happening in their area. And obviously, it opens up that great line of communication Mm. up between uh, the police and the actual restaurant owners. And you put out a request to the mayor for a meeting and... Um, I put out a second request to the mayor for a meeting and actually was uh, um, contacted last week um, about uh, about potentially meeting with the deputy mayor and the chief of police. No specific timeline or date uh, as of yet, um, but it, you know we were a little disappointed in the timeline it took to get uh, some reply from that, just for the simple fact that this is a growing issue here in, in Winnipeg, is crime downtown, and, and we need to try to mitigate that and get uh, get a handle on that as soon as possible. And, and we're just trying to, to meet up with the, the powers that be at the office and the city of police that, you know, trying to, to work together to try to get something in place uh, to protect our restaurant patrons and their owners. Yeah. And uh, you were saying there are some culinary events that Winnipeg is looking at hosting and this is an issue that's coming up. Well, you know, there are a lot of events coming, you know, potentially coming to Winnipeg. We're always inconsistently working with the chamber and the tours in Winnipeg to potentially bring events and uh, we're requested for, you know, comment on the restaurant scene. But when we have issues like this popping up and consistently, uh, you know, seeing an increase in crime in the downtown area, you know, it doesn't take, uh, 
you know, it doesn't take much to look at that and see, you know, maybe that isn't the potential greatest place to hold that considering we, you know, we have these challenges. Like every other city has their challenges. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And um, I also wanted to get you in. So hopefully it, uh, the meeting happens and, and things go well because I, I think that uh, it makes sense for, for your association, your members to work closely with the city absolutely. and the police. Yeah, absolutely. We just want to. We just want to get that meeting in place and and start working towards a, a solution here that they've done in other cities here in Canada. You were saying though that Johnny G's on Main is going to reopen. Absolutely, we're very excited. And Johnny, you know, you can't keep a good man down. Johnny's a very, yeah. uh, very uh, good uh, restaurateur and, and a very proud Winnipegger. And and he's going to be reopening Johnny G's. He's just doing some renovations as we speak right now. But uh, just shows the resilience of of the people in our industries. And just uh, I'm very proud to work for this industry because uh, they are very resilient people who you can't uh, keep down. But likely not going to be open late. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly okay. what the hours are going to be, but I, I'm, I'm assuming that just based on the fact that he did change his hours at the other location, mm. um, that we will try to stay, uh, you know, more of a safe operating hours until unless we can have something in place uh, like they do in Vancouver. Right. Well, good luck with it. And uh, certainly you. keep us uh, keep us posted on that. The Jets have clinched a playoff spot that you I know you're a big hockey guy. Unbelievable. Right? Yes, bet so, you, I bet you. Yeah. So it's great news. How does that impact your members, the restaurants uh, in Winnipeg? I would imagine the ones in the area yeah. of the rink of course. do very well. <laughs> They're going to do very well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're trying to grab dinner before a hockey game and so forth. Uh, but, you know, Winnipeg's a very, you know, a decently sized city with a very uh, wide, diverse area of restaurants. And uh, so the ones that are downtown are obviously going to benefit from having uh, the Jets in a playoff. Go Jets, go. Um, but the reality is, is that some of the restaurants that are in the outlining areas and some of the ones that are not in the downtown area, are, are going to see a drop. And last year when the Jets made the playoffs, we did see a pretty significant drop in some of the outlining restaurant areas just for the simple fact that, you know, obviously people want to, you know, try to mitigate some of those challenges with parking and traffic and getting downtown. And they're not stopping at those restaurants uh, before those playoff games. And they're trying to grab dinner downtown if possible. Uh, and reaching out to even our members that are in uh, in the downtown area that are, but are not immediately across from the MTS Center, they saw a neutral, uh, neutral base just begin again, you know, obviously with parking and challenges and the traffic challenges getting down when you have playoff hockey downtown um you know you see some uh, you see some benefits and you also see some defaults in there too that's interesting so actual restaurants in winnipeg that aren't in the downtown area see a drop during the playoffs yes, we did we actually had uh, we were able to reach out some of our members and they did see a drop and obviously it really depends if you're having the, if you're that restaurant that has that uh, that sports crowd or that sports bar where you can actually watch the hockey game and so forth obviously you're going to see potentially an incline there but those those uh, fine dining restaurants those restaurants that don't have that atmosphere, um, you know, they're they're uh, they're seeing a little bit of a drop. But uh, you know, we, we you know we try to work with that as much as we can and try to uh, try to cater to uh, those those uh, fans as much as possible and and hope uh, you know the the Jeffs do as well as they possibly can. Yeah, hey, listen, it's exciting to have a hockey team again, an Absolutely. NHL team, and to be in the playoffs is super exciting. But um, and we were talking about this actually in the newsroom this morning about the cost of tickets and stuff. And let's face it, people have a budget, and if their budget is and they were going to they want to check out a game or two, they may not have the money Absolutely. for, for Just dinner like out. you and me and everyone else out there, we have a budget for entertainment and that entertainment budget, um, when they're purchasing tickets for that, that's going to be cut into that. And uh, and we noticed it last year um, and uh, and I'm sure that that will continue on is that that budget, when it's being consumed by hockey player tickets, uh, you know, it has to come from somewhere else and dining out might be a potential, you know, collateral damage for that, uh, for that spend in the hockey season. Yeah. 
Sean Jeffrey is the uh, executive director of Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association, and I know you and your members are very excited about a new partnership with Dream Factory. Super excited, absolutely. Yeah, so the uh, Manitoba Restaurant Food Services Association is the first association to partner with the Dream Factory, and we're going to be sponsoring uh, a dream for a seven-year-old girl named Carmen who has leukemia. Um, she's a foodie, and we support our foodies out there. So um, she's a sushi lover, and her dream is to head to Tokyo to to consume as much sushi as she possibly can with her and her family. And uh, uh, we met up with the Dream Factory and and just melted our hearts. We just uh, we just couldn't uh, arrange this fast enough. And uh, we obviously going back to our membership, they were they were all on board as soon as we could say go. So uh, we we're definitely we're forcing towards to try to really push and uh, and get this dream accomplished. Uh, we're partnering up with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for our hospitality night at our season opener this year. Um, you check out uh, our website and you can check out the Dream Factory's website also um, about the uh, the different events that we're going to be running to to get Carmen and her family out to Tokyo. But we're super excited. It's a it's a just a great thing to meet her and her family. They're they're some amazing people. Isn't that cool? Eh? Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. I'll tell you what. Get her in here and bring some sushi and let's meet this young girl. <laughs> absolutely. I can definitely that, arrange that. Would be that would be a lot of fun to do right. that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good on you and your members. Sean, thanks a lot for your access. Thanks, I really I'll appreciate, appreciate it. it. Well, he is the biggest Jets fan that I know. Greg Mackling, Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. The start, 6 to 10 a.m. right here on CJOB. Come on. You're excited. The Jets are in. They've clinched the playoff spot. And they didn't back in. They did it poetically on yeah. Saturday night. It was an incredible game. Took one of the boys, and they were very excited to be at the game. Kelly Moore has been saying it all morning, maybe the most complete effort of the season from the Jets. I, I don't think they ever not try, but it all came together mm. very nicely for the Jets. Connor Hellebuck, back-to-back shutouts. Yep. Kyle Connor with the hat trick, his first one. I think he'd had eight two-goal games. And earlier this year, my son Alexander pointed out, Dad, Kyle Connor did score three goals in a game once this year. It was against Boston earlier this season. Mm. He had two goals in regulation time and scored the game-winning goal in a shootout. So that doesn't count against the total, but he was right. He did score three goals that game. So Kyle Connor, boy, oh boy, 32 goals on the season now. If you thought Patrick Laine's contract was going to cost the Jets a lot of money, uh, times it by two. I don't know if Connor will get the same amount of cash as Line A in the long run, but he's going to be very expensive to sign. Now, I am not a big hockey guy, as you know. I mean, I got excited last year when the Jets were going deep in the playoffs. I sense, though, that this year, maybe not so much among diehard fans like you, but amongst casual fans, there's not the same excitement about the Jets. Not yet. Okay, you Not think it's coming. Yet. Yes, and you know, last year, the Jets were still a secret yeah. that was quietly kept for the most part amongst season ticket holders and those that follow them closely and watch the games on TV. And you saw the momentum yeah. with regard to the outdoor activities surrounding the games. No, that's typical. My mom was one of those. It'd be like all of a sudden the Blue Bombers would be playing in a Western semifinal. And then she's in. And it's like, mom. You need to leave now because you remember what happened last year? Yeah. You got into the Bombers. Well, it all worked out in the 80s and, and into 1990. But there are a lot of people that don't really start paying a tremendous amount of attention until the playoffs. And that's when the story becomes bigger mm. than hockey. It becomes more about Winnipeg. It 
becomes more about us, about our sense of community and that image that we send across the globe, across North America on television. It's super powerful. Uh, as you know, I've been away quite a bit uh, over the last year, Helsinki, Vegas for hockey games, yep. and Winnipeg Jets fans have quite the reputation. Anyone you speak to at length remembers the images of last April, last May, and uh, those white oak parties outside of Bell MTS Place. Well, and let's talk about the party because the Jets are in the playoffs now. What should those parties look like? The Jets haven't released any details no. yet. They say soon, but what would you like to see? Same as last year, maybe something different? Well, I think the geography is going to change a little bit based on the fact that True North Square is now open and available, and that's right. what that plaza was created for. And it's smaller, right, than oh, what we yes. saw. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, so th that party will definitely spread out and spill over onto streets around there, but the orientation, I think, of the party just may be different with True North Square as the focal point and things radiating out from there. I, I guarantee they know exactly what they want to do. Uh, that square only holds two, maybe 3,000 people comfortably. You're still going to be, I'd imagine looking at 5, 8, 10, 12, mm. 15,000, depending on the day of the week, the weather, and how deep we get into the playoffs. So uh, it will be different, but it, it could be very similar at the same time. Do you not feel like we almost have to win the Cup this year? Oh, that come was, on, Al. No, I'm, well, I, let me ask the question, and then you can call me crazy. I feel like anything less than winning the Cup, because at the start of the year, all the pundits were saying it's the Jets' year. Sure. Anything less than winning the cup, I think, is going to be a disappointment for a lot of fans. Now, call me crazy. Now, you're 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 not crazy, okay, but, but there are people who will share your sentiment. <laughs> for me, yeah. just seeing Winnipeg, and, and doesn't matter what they're called, the Jets, the Falcons, the Polar Bears. I don't yeah, care what they're called. Right. To see Winnipeg, to be our, to see our city in yeah. the spotlight for a Stanley Cup final, win or lose, would be amazing. So for the Jets to just take one more step, I think would be incredible. But what if they don't? Don't even take one more step. What if they're in the first round, they lose or lose in that'll the be second round? That'll that will be, be a dis disappointment. Absolutely, okay. it'll be yeah. a disappointment. With yeah. all the buildup, all the hype, everything that the Jets have done in terms of preparing for this season, uh, you know, I get that. Yeah. Um, they weren't, haven't been as dominant this year in terms of the standings and what they've managed to do. Nashville hasn't been either. The St. Louis Blues, you got to keep an eye on that team because they're a little bit frightening. Things play out the way we hope knock, they knock are going wood, to yeah. over the next week. The Jets' magic number to clinch first place is four. So any combination mm -hmm. of regulation losses by Nashville and wins by the Jets will secure first place, which would mean the, the Jets would then play the second, uh, like the first wild card team, the best of the two wild card teams, because Calgary's going to take first in the Western Conference, mm. or San Jose. They're going to battle that out. So the Jets will finish second, whether they finish behind Vegas, San Jose, and Calgary or not. If you're first in your division, you get first or second in the conference. So the right. Jets will get the, 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 the better of the two wild card teams. I was trying to make sure that I said that yeah, exactly no. right because it's yeah, kind of complicated. Yeah, yeah. I want to try and keep it simple. So at this point, mm. to make it even simpler, if the season were to end today, they would play the Dallas Stars who are in seventh place in the Western Conference. Well, they play the Stars tonight. So an opportunity to maybe get an idea of how mm -hmm. those teams would match up. Yeah. Do you get the sense that maybe with uh, the Flames in the playoffs this year, it might take some of 
the Jets' excitement away from, you know, surrounding areas like Saskatchewan into Alberta, maybe another team in Western Canada in the running? I think there's a good chance of that. I don't think it'll overwhelm it. I don't think it'll change the excitement that's here. Could you imagine Calgary and Winnipeg in the Western Conference final? Now you're talking about fans going back and forth between the two cities. How many Winnipeggers... Former Winnipeggers live in Calgary. We know how many people came from all over North America to come mm-hmm. home for a, that playoff experience last year. Then you magnify that with a geographical rivalry like that. It would be absolutely incredible. Yeah. And then maybe follow that up with Jets, Leafs in the Stanley Cup final. Be exciting. One final question for you. Do you feel like the Jets, there was a time not long ago they weren't playing that well. Have they got that out of their system now at the right time heading into the playoffs? As you said, at least of late they've been playing much better. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> with with a with a very long pause there yeah. purposefully. Uh, the Jets need Dustin Bufflin and Josh Morrissey back in mm. their lineup. I don't think there's any question the Jets can score goals with just about any team in the National Hockey League. Keeping the puck out of their net, that's their own net, that's going to be the challenge. Mm. Connor Hellebuck's been much better. And I've said from day one, you can talk to Christian O'Mell. My mantra since October has been the Winnipeg Jets will go as far this season as Connor Hellebuck will take them. They have all the other pieces to the puzzle. They struggle defensively at times, but they can score the goals. They need the goaltender to do what Marc-Andre Fleury did to the Jets on behalf of the Golden Knights in the Western Conference Final. The Jets are going to need some games like Marc-Andre Fleury did and pulled out for Vegas from Connor Hellebuck in order for them to do what a lot of us either are hoping, dreaming, or imagining. You take your pick. Yeah. Well, I know this is exciting news. They've clinched the playoff spot. I'm happy for you and other Jets fans. Hopefully we go deep this year and... Who knows? Well, Maybe they will win the cup. We'll welcome you on the bandwagon. Just I'll don't, be there again. Don't cry if they lose in the Stanley Cup I final. Won't. I won't. I got, promise. Because I'll be crying enough for both of us. I know you will. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Greg Mackling, ladies and gentlemen. Big round of applause for Greg. James Favel from Bear Clan says, We are on pace to find a record number of needles. Bear Clan is on pace to find a record number of needles on the streets of Winnipeg. 2015, 2016, not too bad. 2017, 2018, uh, this it started picking up like crazy. 4,000, 2017, 40,000, 2018. We're probably close to 20,000 already, and it's, we're only the first quarter. So we're on pace to double our numbers last year. Okay, actually, 80 thought. Wow, I got my math wrong earlier. On track to do 80 thousand needles on the streets of Winnipeg by Bear Clan. Wab Canoe, Manitoba's NDP leader, joins us now on the phone. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, how are you? Good. Thank you for doing this. Uh, is it time now for a safe injection site in, in Winnipeg? Yeah, we've been calling for this uh, because one of the things that a, a safe injection site or a safe consumption site will do is it will remove some of the needles from the streets. Right now, we're seeing needles getting picked up in back alleys, playgrounds, parks, uh, public spaces where kids may be. If there is one sort of centralized place where some of the people who are struggling with addictions can go to use under supervision, then it'll mean uh, at least some of those needles don't end up in the streets. And then consequently, we don't have to uh, perhaps worry as much about the transmission of disease and some of the other things that happen there. So I think that 
what Bear Clan is is saying is that there's a whole bunch of things we need to r- respond to the addictions crisis with. One of them is probably a safe consumption site, but we probably also need to be uh, equally worried about making sure that there's a clean needle supply and also that we're fighting addictions with treatment and with uh, better education and prevention. I know you've done a lot of research on this issue. Can anybody basically just walk in and, and buy these needles? Is it that easy? Well, I think a lot of the needles that we're seeing discarded in city streets are, are probably ones that are being um, distributed through uh, clean supply programs, like uh, I'm thinking something like Street Connections, right. where they give people who we know are going to be using intravenous drugs, they give them clean needles. The thinking there is if you give somebody a clean needle, they're less likely to share. And uh, hopefully you cut down on transmitting HIV, you cut down on the spread of syphilis, you, you, you cut down the spread of uh, hepatitis uh, B or C. Um, so it's a weird situation where we actually want to see more clean needles distributed if people are going to be using more drugs, in, as we have been seeing in the city over the past number of years. We know that the addictions problem is getting worse. In that situation, we want the WRHA to be out there reaching out to these people and trying to help them. However, the real outcome that we want is to reduce drug use. The way that we do that is we've got to move upstream and try and help prevent people's addictions uh, tendencies from reaching a crisis state. And what I mean by that, the way we present, prevent somebody from hitting a crisis with their own addictions is we've got to try and help people with counseling or, or with alcohol treatment or with whatever measure we can to ensure that people who are vulnerable to, say, becoming addicted to meth, hopefully they never uh, even develop that addiction in the first place. I understand the, the pros here, and, and they kind of make mm. sense to me, and I think maybe it is time to give it a try. But what about the cons? I was reading about Calgary's safe injection site, yeah. and they just had to come up with funding to fight crime around that safe injection site. Well, I think there's a lot of uh, legitimate uh, issues that we got to look at here when we talk about a safe consumption site in Winnipeg. And I think that... Uh, Probably if you're going to do a safe consumption site in Winnipeg, that needs to go hand in hand with resources uh, for policing in the area. Because uh, we don't want, like the whole reason we're doing this is for public safety and for public health. So we don't want there to be a ripple effect in the, in the uh, blocks around uh, a possible safe consumption site of making things less safe. So I think there, there is a way to do this that uh, increases safety for everyone and uh, you do got to look at policing and public safety along with it. I think the least responsible thing we could do right now though is to just continue with the status quo because as we've seen with the status quo response to the addictions crisis so far the situation is just getting worse and worse and worse and whether you look at it from there's more crime, there's more diseases being spread, there's more needles getting picked up by people like James Fable and the Bear Clan, it's getting worse in every direction, so we gotta we got to try something new. We have to try something stronger in terms of fighting addictions in Manitoba. So where does this go? We talk a lot about this. The mayor seems open to the idea. You think mm-hmm. we should give it a try. How do we move forward with this? Well, I think there's a couple paths. Uh, right now, the, the, the premier, uh, Pallister, seems to be uh, opposed to the idea. It's possible he could change his mind and uh, perhaps listen to the evidence and decide uh, that this is something we should do, just given the severity of everything we're seeing with meth and with addictions right now. However, 
if that's not an option, there may be a possibility of going uh, ahead with the federal government on this. So the federal government has, in uh, you know, the past year, announced that if municipalities want to work on a safe consumption site, the feds will create the legal space for them to do so and also the resources. And so I think there's community groups in Winnipeg who are trying to use harm reduction to clean up downtown and clean it up in a compassionate way, meaning let's get people with addictions treatment, let's make sure our streets are safer for everybody who wants to go to a Jets game, everybody who wants to come downtown uh, for dinner or you know just to have a night out. Um, but part of that needs to be like a, a really strong response that combines harm reduction initiatives like a safe consumption site. It combines policing and uh, the public safety side. And then uh, it also needs to combine the treatment and a path out of addictions for the people who are struggling with it. Well, thanks for your time on this. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.